not there, right? We have a floor to stand on, to sit on, but we do not have finished floors. So uh, we're in the middle of that. Actually, we, we didn't know that it was going to happen this way, to be perfectly honest. We thought that everything was going to start tomorrow. That's what the company told us. And uh, that but you would be here this Sunday with the old carpet, and the next Sunday you would be here with new floors. But uh, as it turns out, they showed up this past Monday and said, hey, we're here. And I said, you're not supposed to be here yet, you know. But I didn't want to mess up their schedule because if I had done that, they would have said, okay, we'll be back in two months. And I was like, no, 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 go ahead. Let's get started. Uh, we will have church on a bare concrete floor. We'll have church on a dirt floor. Like, I don't, uh, it's not that big a deal. And we were talking about it. The, um, the team this morning as we're kind of getting ready, having our huddle before. Uh, all of the stuff around us is just stuff. Uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's about God, and that's what we're here for, to worship Him, to celebrate Him, to praise Him, and I appreciate that. Uh, really a special thank you to uh, some people today, the staff, they worked, um, all, I don't think they took a day off this week. Um, Alan was up here till late, late last night, getting all the, because all the wires, everything's different. He had to get all that. If you're watching online today, uh, you, we owe Alan a huge debt because he made all that work. Thank you. And uh, Tom spent a lot of, he did, probably wouldn't want me to call him out, but he spent a lot of hours up here this week getting things ready for the floor, getting some uh, volleyball standard poles ready to go. It's just a lot of work. And I uh, appreciate everybody that's, that's done stuff. If you're looking for an opportunity to volunteer, you know, let us know. We've got stuff uh, that needs done. But uh, we're excited about it. Excited about the new floors that are going to be coming tomorrow. And, if, you know, sometime during the week you're like, ooh, what's going on? Stop by the church. Say hi. Uh, we'd love to see you and uh, the school they're very uh, gracious as they've had to work around this also um, it's not just the church that's put out the school all week uh, this is a main room that they use and they weren't able to use it all week and now next week they're not gonna be able to use it again but uh, you know it speaks to comfort right uh, how comfortable are we and that's what we're going to talk about today you know if you had to choose between some things like uh, a uh, nice mattress, a sleep number or Tempur-Pedic. I, I don't know which kind of mattress you use. I don't even know what kind of mattress ours is. It's a, it's a traditional one with the pillow top, it's, but it's super awesome. Like, I love our mattress. If you had to choose between that kind of a mattress and just a plain old box spring, you're probably going to choose the mattress, right? Or if you were going to choose between some really nice, comfortable shoes to wear uh, or some wooden clogs. You're probably going to choose the nice, comfortable shoes to wear, right? Uh, it's just the way that we're built. We, we like uh, comfort. We like to be comfortable. And all told, our society places a high value, a high priority on comfort. We want things to be comfortable. We, there's a lot of money made to be, a lot of money to be made on people's comfort. It's just the way that we do things. Um, memory foam for your bed. A lazy boy for your living room. Is it still lazy boy? Anybody have a lazy boy? I remember growing up, like that was it. You wanted the lazy boy. There's so many furniture companies now. Uh, we all want pillows to sleep on, right? Who, who doesn't want a pillow to sleep on? We were, Cerise uh, and I had opportunity to, uh, we were out of town and we had a hotel room and um, man, we really have gotten used to too many pillows. It's a good thing she's walking out now so I can tell the story. So... <laughs> 
uh, we've gotten used to too many pillows because like I had I had two pillows and I was laying you know had my pillows and she had three pillows and I woke up in the middle of the night and all I had was one pillow and I look over and she's got four pillows now and I was like what do you, how many pillows do you need do you, do you need this other I'll give you five you need uh, anyway and she got mad at me for waking her up and I was like well you're the one taking all the pillows um, but we do like pillows. I was reading a story. I was reading about Jacob. I don't know if you ever have noticed this in the story about Jacob when he's um, kind of running away and uh, f- because he, uh, you know, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, right? And then Jacob and Esau, they kind of got sideways because Jacob was kind of a lying conniving kind of guy uh, when, he, when they were kids and took the birthright and all that stuff. Well, Jacob, he gets sent off by his mom and um, the night you guys might remember the night he had a dream about heaven well it says he made a he used a rock for his pillow that night like who does that uses a rock for their pillow we want a nice comfortable fluffy pillow it's just the way we're designed and 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 snuggies does anybody have a snuggie you guys remember the snuggie the thing the blanket thing that you would put on the snuggie uh i don't think i think everybody got made fun of having snuggies so they don't really have those i would probably use a snuggie i would be proud of a snuggie if i had one um this year for uh christmas our girls got a and there's another thing going on oh man ADDs all over the place today but okay there's another thing going on with like a jacket and a shirt or a shacket have y'all heard that it's a shack, like it's a, Teresa's wearing one today, a shacket. It's like a shirt that's not quite a jacket, but it's thicker than a shirt, and they call it, so I don't know, but our girls wanted this, it's like a blanket poncho. What would you call that, a bloncho? <laughs> I don't know, what you, like maybe we need to coin the phrase, but it's this amazing, super soft poncho thing that's like really thick, and it's got a little hoodie on it, and I was looking at that going, man, I love that but the point is is that we like comfort and I don't think there's anything wrong with liking comfort you know I I mean it's just the way it is but I think that maybe sometimes our love for comfort gets exploited like dirty jobs anybody ever watch dirty jobs dirty jobs is a uh, man it's disgusting sometimes that you're watching and he's doing all these uh, dirty things and and it's just a a gross thing but you know it's uh, the most filthy and the most uncomfortable job in the world and what we're doing is we're sitting on our cushioned couch and our knives either heated or cooled play we're laughing and wincing all the while grateful that we don't have to do those dirty jobs or uh, it's like the time I spent watching The Biggest Loser if you guys have ever watched that The Biggest Loser and I was sitting there at my dinner table eating a fine meal (laughs) watching these poor people just work out and kill themselves trying to get in shape um I think comfort's okay. I like to be comfortable. Uh, And I think it's okay that we like to be comfortable. But we have to be careful because I do believe there's a danger in loving comfort too much. And I'm not just talking about putting a few extra pounds on. Uh, I'm talking about this idea. It seems that we continue to put more emphasis on being comfortable. And, and I think what's happened is, is that our faith, our Christian faith, our belief in Jesus, our, our faith has followed suits. We have become Christians that are used to comfort. We're just used to comfort. And, and so we get comfortable in life and, and then it kind of follows us into our Christian walk. Um, we come to buildings that are warm in the winter and air conditioned in the in the summer and this morning I do apologize that I feel like it wasn't quite as warm with all the stuff going on somebody had turned the heater off if you can believe it 
So we turned that on this morning. But, um, and then I feel like it becomes difficult then. What do we do with the cross? Because in Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So in this world of comfort, what is it that we do with the cross? How do we handle the cross? Because the cross doesn't really jive with a comfort-seeking society. The two just don't mesh well. They just don't go together well. Um, and so what happens is, because of our idea of comfort, we take this idea and we make the cross more comfortable. We make the cross a, a little easier you know, we don't think about it in terms like Jesus did. And then the phrase, we all have our cross to bear. It gets thrown around, right? Like, I'm, this is no joke. I heard uh, there was a parent and, and the, their child was acting up. And they're like, well, we all have our cross to bear. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind uh, when he said that. But uh, I just feel like... Um, that's kind of where, where we've gotten. It, it's, it just gets thrown around too loosely. It, it's referred to even the most menial tasks in our lives. That's not what Jesus meant. But what else are we supposed to do? The cross is a tough sell. Think about it. It's hard to sell the cross. I mean, it's bad enough that Jesus died on the cross. Like, that's a hard sell in itself. But then he told us that we have to bear our cross also? How do we sell that? I mean, that goes against every sales teaching that they do, right? We don't want to come in and say, hey, it's really tough. Like, I feel like the cross is ruining Christianity's chance for decent public relations. Like, it's, it's hard to do that. Doesn't the cross hinder our ability to recruit new followers? I, f I feel like that's how we perceive it. And so we, we make it a little less hard to bear. We make it a little more comfortable. I mean, we want to see people come to Jesus after all, right? So that's what we do. We kind of dumb it down. Make Christianity seem as appealing as possible. The problem is that when people encounter this idea that they have to bear their cross, this idea that they have to, to carry that burden, they quit wanting to. Uh, we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And just to remind you that uh, the notes for today's message are in the church app. You can download the church app, get the message, uh, get the notes for the message, or go to the um, uh, Bible app and get them there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 17. This is Paul speaking. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. As we read through this, there's a, another version that, that I, I really like um, that says, I didn't come... It's not with wise and persuasive words. I was talking with the, some guys about it this week. Not with wise and persuasive words, but with the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of his power. Like, it's not 
that we came to make this thing easy. And uh, I'm going to feel like my mind just lit up right there because for this year, I'll say this, for this year, I feel like God is calling us to re-engage. I really do. It's time to re-engage, to begin to not only um, to gather in person, to meet together, to uh, spur one another on like the scripture admonishes us, to love each other, to share in that together. I believe that that in that way to re-engage, but also to re-engage with the people around us. And here's what I know about what God wants for us. He wants us to draw into him. The reason we're starting with this year with this series of messages called Not a Fan is because God wants us to have a encounter with him. He wants more than only fans. He wants completely devoted followers. And a completely devoted follower is going to have a life-changing encounter with the God of the universe. And is not going to be able to remain the same. And so God has asked me for the first part of the year. He hasn't given me a, a time. But for us to press in on that. And to realize that it's not always easy. But it is always good. It's not always going to go the way we want it to go. But it will always glorify him. And so I believe that we have to be careful when we get to the place where we're satisfied with a comfortable version of the cross. Because that's not what Jesus wants. And when we come to this scripture, it's not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. That is what God is telling me that he wants to do here. I've had people independently tell me that they feel like revival's coming to this church. They don't even, none of them, I haven't told any of them that, oh, somebody else told me this, or oh, somebody else told me this, but people have been telling me that. And I'm not saying that so that everybody will email me and say, hey, I believe. I'm just saying that people independently, God is getting ready to do something. We have to be prepared because while it will be good it might not be easy when the and this is something else I've learned from experience when the Holy Spirit begins to press in sin gets exposed when the Holy Spirit you understand that when the Holy Spirit presses in in his holy presence sin can't exist and so some people are going to get uncomfortable because they're going to be like, what is this? It's happening in my heart. Listen, the Holy Spirit is purging you. He's cleansing you. He's calling you to purity. Some people will run from it. Some people will embrace it. I've seen some people, and don't be that person that tries to burn it down. I don't like this. I want to stay comfortable. I want to stay where I'm at, but let's see if I can kill what's happening because I don't want to change that brings me back to not with wise and persuasive words it would not be fair for me to convince somebody to follow Jesus knowing the cross that they will eventually have to bear but by the power of the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of his power which means who knows what it means it means healing 
It means reconciliation. It means restored relationships. It means chains of addiction broken. It means however the Holy Spirit manifests himself, a demonstration of his power. But we have to be ready because sometimes those demonstrations get scary. That person just started to walk. Did you see that? Just last week, I met somebody who had been involved praying for a person who had been in a wheelchair their whole life and they got up and walked. Just last week. Like these real things happen. Miracles will happen. But we have to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not always comfortable. And we try to make it comfortable because we don't like the wooden clogs and we don't like the box springs and we don't like the concrete floor. Man, I need to get on with the notes here because God wants to do, but this is the point. God wants to do something here in us, in you. And I'll let you know for me, Four years, I've just four years. My four-year anniversary at this church just passed. This is the second time that God has began this swell that I know in four years. The first time, apparently we weren't ready because it didn't happen. This is the second time. This is what I want. If not for this, what are we doing? In the scripture, Paul's talking about how the world sees the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. For people living in the first century, the, the cross would have been the ultimate sign of weakness. It would have been, if they would have seen us with the stained glass cross on our church, they would have thought, you guys are sickos that you have that. If they would have seen somebody wearing a, a cross necklace, they would have been like, ooh, you're sadistic. For many then and now, the gospel message is complete foolishness that the God of the heavens and the earth came to this earth in the form of a man and was crucified is ridiculous. Who does that? Seriously, why would... God, the God, use a symbol of torture, of death, of weakness to save the world. Why would he do that? That's, that's stupid in human perspective. But we're not talking about humans. We're talking about God. I suppose the idea of the cross seems more appealing to us now because it's no longer used as an execution tool. So to help us understand, imagine if you saw somebody hanging around their neck a, a guillotine or perhaps an electric chair dangling from their ears. The image that that conjures for us is the same thing that they would imagine a cross to be because the cross meant weakness. It meant defeat. It meant ridicule. But I think that's God's point because that's what makes the cross so beautiful. So beautiful. God can take something from a human perspective that is foolishness, 
something that has no glory and no honor and and has none of that and finds this symbol that's weak that is the least likely symbol of life and of love and he says you know what I'm going to use that what is the least likely thing that I can oh there it is let's use that one he takes what the world says is foolish and demeaning and shameful and he says watch this and he turns that thing into the power of salvation you begin to understand that first corinthians 18 says that he turns the foolishness of the cross into the power of salvation if you go to verse 22 jews demand miraculous signs and greeks look for wisdom but we preach christ crucified a stumbling block to jews and foolishness to gentiles and then if you skip to verse 25 for the foolishness of god is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of god is stronger than man's strength who else could take a cross that represented defeat and turn it into a symbol of victory? Who else but God could take a symbol that represented guilt and turn it into a symbol of grace? Who else but God could take the cross that represented condemnation and turn it into a symbol of freedom? Who else but God could take what represented pain and suffering and turn it into something that is uh, healing and hope and who else but God could take something that represented death and turn it into a symbol of life who else but God no one else could but he did what seems like the ultimate sign of God's weakness was in reality the ultimate sign of God's strength and here's what why that matters and here's what I don't want us to miss this morning. And here's the point of everything I want to say today. In fact, today's message has one point. If you're taking notes, there's one. Because it's so powerful. What God did for the cross, he can do for you. What God did for the cross, he can do for you. Because when you are weak, he is strong. When you're at your weakest, you're at the exact spot that God needs you to be his strongest. That's the upside down truth of the cross. When you're weak, he's strong. When we try to set ourselves up as the one who is on the high, God says, well, that, mean, that means that you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Like you're, you're, the, you're the bottom. But when we set ourselves up as the one on the bottom, he says, now, now I can take that and work with it. Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And I think we need to understand this. God didn't use the cross in spite of its weakness. He chose the cross because of its weakness he didn't say well I guess I can use that he said that right there I'm going to use that and it's all through scripture God chooses the weak things he chooses the weak things and continually chooses them all through scripture over the strong continually think about it Abraham was old right 
I don't want to go through every story, but I'll, I'll just, I'm going to start naming some people. If you need to make some notes about this, re research these. Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was humiliated. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was proud. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was disobedient. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried about everything. Uh, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Timothy was timid. The Bible is full of impactful misfits who were weak but then discovered that that weakness was their strength. So here's what I want. God, do for us what you did for the cross. Do for me what you did for the cross. It seems like a backwards ideology, right? It seems backwards from the way things are, but that's because that's the way the world has taught us. And we have to be careful not to let our theology, our belief in God, the way we think about him, to be impacted or influenced or taught to us by the way of culture, of society. God teaches us that when we think we're strong, we're really weak. But when we're really weak, he makes us strong. The trick is to acknowledge our weakness, to humble ourselves, to say to him, I can't, but you can. Paul said, I delight in my weakness because when I am weak, then I am strong. And I don't know anybody who naturally delights in their weakness. Do you? I don't, I can't think of anybody. In fact, I think most of us go to great lengths to disguise our weakness. I think most of us do that. Um, like when you're in a job interview and you get asked the dreaded question. You guys know the question. What is your greatest weakness? <laughs> Right? You've been asked that before. What's your greatest weakness? Nobody ever comes in and says, I'm never on time. I just, I just can't be on time. Or, oh, I procrastinate so much. Like, I'm the worst procrastinator. Or, I just don't get along with my coworkers. Like, that's a big weakness of mine. I just, uh, I, I'm not sure how to turn the computer on. So, if you could help me. But we don't do that. Right? We don't come in and we don't say what our greatest weakness is. What we do is we make weaknesses up. We make a weakness that really is a strength, but we talk about it like it's a weakness, like, well, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, really. <laughs> Some of you are like, I just said that. <laughs> or sometimes I tend to be a workaholic. I try not to, but like that's my weakness. We present a strength because our world, in our world, weakness isn't strength. Strength is strength. Do you know there's some 2,000 self-help books published every single year? Did you know that? 2,000. And all of them have similar thread running through them. You can do it. 
You have what it takes. Look deep and find the strength within yourself. You've got this. Paul says strength comes when we recognize our weakness. Uh, our teen girls are at the Brighter Girls Conference. They're uh, coming back today, but so Morgan's not here. I can tell a story on her. Uh, my 15-year-old daughter. She... Um, by the way, somebody said, I think, I saw somebody put on social media that I don't post a lot on social media, but I'm a creeper. Just saying, I'm creeping out there. I'm watching what's happening. Uh, somebody posted something about Tom being a thief. And I look at my 15-year-old daughter, and I'm like, they are right. Uh, and then technology is the worst, right? Like, I love technology, and I hate it all at the same time because I have our pictures upload automatically to Amazon Photos for us and we have a fire stick plugged into our TV and so our screensaver is pictures and so daily I'm seeing all different pictures of when they were two and three and four and five so Morgan was somewhere around five or six I can't remember exactly kids go through stages at first they can't walk right so we carry them everywhere and then they learn to walk and they want to walk everywhere they won't let you carry them and then they're like, okay, walking's overrated. I need you to carry me again. <laughs> so, you know, they're somewhere around three, four. They want you to carry them everywhere. And then they come to the, the last phase, which is now they want to walk everywhere. Morgan was in that last phase where she had been through all the other phases and she didn't really want to be carried anymore. She was big, big enough where she could go. And she's a big girl. She's going to walk everywhere. We were at the state fair. Theresa might remember that state fair trip. We were at the state fair, and it was hot. Oh, my word, it was hot, September. And uh, we were walking around the state fair, and Morgan wants to walk everywhere, and she's not quite big enough, five, six years old, that she can really keep it. So we're waiting, and we're watching. And Teresa had, uh, Maddie was baby, baby, and uh, we had the stroller, and uh, of course, Morgan didn't want to be in there at all. But somewhere... Somewhere through there, Morgan had had enough. I remember. And, and my big girl, who is now a big girl, she wanted to be carried. And I can, I can remember thinking to myself, and I still say it all the time, 15, 12, and 10, my kids' ages. And I still say, I want to enjoy every single moment of every single stage. And I can remember Morgan at five six years old she wanted to be carried and I was absolutely right there to carry her <laughs> I was like I got you baby girl come on because these days they're, they're gone now I you know I tried to carry her the other day and she just wasn't having it <laughs> those days are gone five six years old I was like oh come on I got you girl I, she's my baby girl you know I pick her up she puts her head on my my show I can still remember that was one of the best days and I, I just want to be like that with God. That I recognize my weakness. God, I just can't do it anymore. I recognize that I'm not strong. Will you just carry me? Because it's in my weakness that he's made strong. We're going to close. I'm going to, well, we're going to close with a prayer, in fact. But I'm going to ask Bruno and them to, I know we have a song to sing, but 
I just know that when we will recognize and realize that it's in our weakness that he's made strong, if we can learn to live in that weakness and then he's glorified, and I'll tell you, our culture is, I've got a group of people that I've been witnessing to. And there's this projected strength all the time. I'm bigger, I'm badder, I'm stronger, I'm faster. I told one of the guys just a couple of days ago that I loved him. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> but it was awesome because I'm, try I'm trying to live what I'm speaking. To let them see my weakness, that I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do have. I have God in my life that has made everything about my life better. It's made my relationship with my wife better, has made me a better dad, has made me a better husband, has made me a better leader. It's all because of him. So if I could paint a picture for you this morning and as we close with the prayer here, can you imagine that you just allow God, like Morgan did me, I miss those days. They're never coming back for me. It's sad. But I can still remember. And so in my mind's eye, that's how I imagine I want to be with my God. This morning, can you just hold your arms out to him and say, God, I can't. But you can you just pick me up and love on me you guys stand with me we're going to pray we do have altars down here if you'd like to come and kneel and pray I invite you to do that or if you want to kneel at your seat or just stand it doesn't matter sit just imagine that we're holding our arms up and we're saying God I can't but you can and may our mantra be do for me what you did for the cross took this symbol of weakness this symbol of shame this symbol of of wretchedness and you turned it into the strength of a life change it's incredible what he did and if he could do that for the cross then by golly he can do that for you but we have to remember that the cross we can't make it a comfortable thing because it is not and being weak isn't comfortable either. But who are we kidding? We are. We're just frail vessels. So God, this morning, as we learn this art of surrender, recognizing that we have a tendency to make all things comfortable, forgive us when we get too comfortable in our relationship with you. Would you let the weakness that we feel be turned into strength? Reveal yourself to us, God, because it is not with wise and persuasive words that anybody will believe in you. We can't convince, nor should we, somebody to follow you just because we were great salespeople. But let it be by demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. It's, it's amazing that we all have your power in us 
by the Holy Spirit. We love you this morning, God. We want to surrender to you. We want to give you all. So my prayer for each person here is that you would begin to work in their heart as we close out here. That you would begin to move as we move towards you, move towards us. In Jesus' name.